Dallas. You fired up by being in church today. Come on, worship was awesome. Now we have an impactful message getting ready to happen by one of the greatest voices in America right now. I'm just gonna tell you straight up, you are in for it. He is bringing the word of God. Your life is gonna be changed. No pressure. <laughs> but it's just not you guys. We have people all across the country tuning in right now. We got Indiana, New York, Florida, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, Ohio, Maryland, Michigan, and West Virginia. Can we give it up for them too? Last service, I don't know how many countries there were, but at least six or seven countries were tuning in. We are making an impact around the world. What you do on a weekly basis, the money you give towards kingdom builders is stretching way further than I could ever go, than we ever get on planes. We are reaching people across the globe for Jesus. How cool is that to know you're a part of that? That is so awesome. I love the vision of our pastors. Well, today, we have Pastor Steve Smotherman with us all the way from Albuquerque, New Mexico. He pastors a church there called Legacy, nine campuses plus, and they're still growing. He is tip of the spear, a general in the faith. He fights for our freedoms. He is the man. Come on, get on your feet. Give it up for Pastor Steve Smotherman. You know, you know who gets all the credit is God, right? God gets all the praise and glory and honor. And if we remember that, I think we'll do well in life. And, um, but it's an honor to be here. I love your pastors. I, I've gotten to know them very well. Uh, Pastor Troy and I hung out in Charleston for a little bit, and then we came here last night, and, uh, and it's just been a treat. I, 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 I care about them dearly. I, I, I'm going to tell you something. You know, in America today, we have a lot of hirelings that are uh, just, they're, they're, they appear to be shepherds until the tough happens and then they run. Your pastors are shepherds. They stick it out all the time. And, and, um, and Pastor Aaron and Stephanie, don't they do a good job here, right? And listen, I'm teaching a message today that I simply titled, No Excuses. Now, I want to tell you this. I'm terrible at titles. Can you tell? Like, it's nothing fancy about it. In fact, I send my messages to my staff and they put them on the, you know, YouTube, whatever they put them on. And um, they'll say, what's the title? I said, I don't know. Tell me what, give me some options. Because I'm terrible at titles. But just because I'm terrible at titles doesn't mean I can't preach it. Right? So thus, the, the title, No Excuses. One thing that can hinder all of our spiritual journeys is to make excuses. Finding reasons to not do something. The problem is God's word encourages us to act, not make excuses. For this message, I'm going to define excuses as to give false reasons why you cannot do something. That's what an excuse is, a false reason why you can't do something. But now there's a difference between giving a reason and an excuse. Reason implies that fault is sincerely recognized and accepted, that you step up and take accountability for your actions where an excuse exists to justify, blame, or defend a fault. 
with the intent to absolve oneself of accountability. In our country today, we blame everything. We blame our teachers, our parents. Our, and and I, I listen to young people say, my parents were so bad. Have you ever thought that parents have looked at you as a kid and said, well, you're so bad. <laughs> God, I'd be happier if they were better. I mean, it's so, it's so ironic, you know, and they blame this and the, the government and, and whatever, my economic status, and we just blame, and, and folks, there's not an excuse that holds water with God. Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, Moses said, yeah, the Moses, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow to speech and tongue. And I love how the Lord responds to all this. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go and I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. God, Moses gave an excuse and what does God say? Hey, who created you anyway? Now go and I'll help you. What happens today is we think we can sit and do nothing and get God's help. I believe this. God helps those who do his word and don't make excuses. People are like, well, I don't know where God is. Well, where are you? We're always wondering where God is, but where are we? Where, where am I? Well, I'm, I'm far from God. Well, okay, so you got to get closer to God, start doing what he says, and there's no excuse that God hadn't thought of. See, even Moses, chosen by God, uh, made excuses. Maybe he felt inadequate because he couldn't talk, whatever his speech impediment was, uncertain of his abilities. Has anybody ever felt that way? Inadequate, uncertain of your abilities? Anybody? No, just me? Okay, all right, <clears throat> few of us. But God reminded him that all abilities come from him, and he would help Moses as he went. God will help us all as we go. Go what? Do what he asks us to do. See, excuses will keep you from growing. And there are no valid excuses in the eyes of God. There's just none. The one I can't stand that I've heard for many, many years is this one. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've said it. Well, God understands. And people use it all the time. Well, God understands why I'm not doing this. God understands why I'm not doing that. God understands why I can't do this. And can I tell you something? It, it, it doesn't hold water with God. God doesn't understand why you don't do what he says because that's the only way you get help. God understands why I don't do something. And you know, I've never heard it used in the context of doing something more for God. God understands, preacher, why I don't give 10% that I give 50% of my income. Never happened. It's always used in the context of not doing what the Word of God says. God understands why I don't tithe. Really? Why? Do you think God wants me to give my money to the church and not pay my house payment or car payment? Here's your answer, yes. You say, well, how can that be? Because whatever it takes to honor God is what you need to do. There's no excuse. Get a less expensive house, a less expensive car, and so you can honor God. See, see, that's the problem. We don't want to give up our stuff, and God's like, yeah, but I, I'm the giver of all stuff. And so whatever it takes to honor God, that's what we do. Yeah, but you don't know how I was raised. I know I don't. And some of you may have had horrific, horrific childhoods and painful childhoods, and I, I'm, not, I'm not demeaning that. I, I, I'm saying I get that. But it's not an excuse not to do what God says. Didn't Jesus say he came to heal the brokenhearted? People say, I can't forgive. Why can't you forgive? Well, I'm just not going to let them off the hook. No, forgiveness is letting you off the hook. And not letting them, those people, whoever it is, dictate to your life. 
But here's the problem with Christianity, we always add. So people have told me this, you know, you gotta forgive and forget. Anybody ever heard that? Can I tell you that's not in the Bible? I used to struggle with it. God, I, I look at him, I remember what he did, dirty dog, you know. <laughs> and, 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 and then I felt like, well, I guess I didn't forgive him because I still don't like him. God said forgive him. He didn't say you had to like him. And when the Bible says when you stand praying, forgive, and your Father in heaven forgive you, God takes all the feelings and emotions out of it because, folks, here's the truth. Feelings aren't facts. And so, well, okay, well, how do I do it? I've chosen to forgive so-and-so. Even when I look at them and think, man, you sorry dog, I know what you did. I've forgiven them, but it's not based on my feelings. I say, no, I chose to forgive them. And as I walk in that, then the feelings leave. And so when I see them, I just am different, like, whatever. But see, we put feelings to everything. Well, I don't feel like I've forgiven them. Why? Because I still don't like them. God never told me we had to be restored. That's a whole nother process, restoration. If you're my accountant and steal my money, you steal my money, I'll forgive you, but you ain't never touching my money again. Come on, say amen or oh me. It's either true or it's not. You ain't gonna let them touch your money either. And so we, we, we need to come back to the word and understand it's quick and alive and powerful. The body of Christ today in America is so, we're just all over the place. And here's why. Because some churches like Freedom House Church believe in the transformational power of God. They believe people can change. They believe God can intervene in your life and change you from the inside out, from whatever you're dealing with. But there's a lot of the church that doesn't. They're the church in the last days. They have a form of godliness, but deny the very power of God to change lives. They give people no hope. So then they just embrace it. We're supposed to be the moral compass to the culture, not the culture to the church. We're supposed to set the tone. Thank God for pastors like yours who's, who stand up for what's right and what's biblical. But there's no excuse that God ever... We act like when we give an excuse like God says to Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit, man, I hadn't heard that one. That's a good excuse why they don't... I, 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 we just didn't think about it. God, God doesn't have an idea, guys. He's God. And so we act like, well, God, that's a good excuse. You remember um, Welcome Back, Cotter, Horseshack? Anybody remember that show? Me, Like, yeah, we think that, and, and then the other guy that always, his dog ate his homework or whatever. See, there's no excuse that works with God. So, pastor, what is there? Preacher, what is there? That means we have to keep doing the word, and as you keep doing the word, he keeps performing his word, and all of a sudden, you're a lot farther down the road than you were. Healing, strength. Whatever it is you need, peace. So there are no valid excuses in the eyes of God. There's not one. There's not any. Hebrews 13, 6 says, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Psalms 121:2. my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Where does our help come from? God. How do we get his help? By doing what he asked us to do. My kids can get my help when they were young and I told them to go clean my room or clean their room, you know, and they, and they, and then I come back and they didn't do it. I don't care what excuse they gave me. I'm like, what did I tell you to do? Get your behind in there and clean that room. Well, I was this, I was that. I don't care. Go clean your room. And if you don't clean your room, you're going to be on restrictions or I'm taking your phone away. One time my kids rolled and I took their cars away. And then I had to get my little behind up at, at, you know, early in the morning and take them to school. And I told my wife, why am I penalizing me? I didn't do this. 
They did this. I gave them back their keys and said, we're going to figure something else out. That's growing up as a parent, right? I was dumb. Like, what am I thinking? My wife said, you're taking them to school. I'm not. I said, well, here's your keys, guys. Keep them. You get yourself to school. I'll, I'll get you some other way. But, but we didn't allow our kids. There's no excuse. It, it, in God, there's not an excuse that he would say is valid. There's always a way to do the word. We just have to find it. And if it means not having some stuff, then we don't have some stuff. That's just the bottom line. Stuff is stuff. We all want that great car and you park it way away in the parking lot, like far away, like forever away. Like you have to jog up to the store because you're so far, because you don't want anybody to scratch your dent and then two months later, you're parking in spaces you shouldn't even be pulling into. Because those things aren't meant to satisfy your soul. They're meant to help you in life. They're tools, but they'll never feel what only God can feel. And that'll only happen if we're willing to do what he asks. Listen to Luke 14, verses 15 through 24. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Who wants to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God? Come on, I mean, help me out. All right, most of us should, and if you don't, then okay, you can attend it somewhere else. So I'm almost tempted to ask again and see if everybody's like, I want to go. Okay. <clears throat> Jesus replied with this story, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. So let's just, for the sake of the story, the parable, you're an invited guest. You have been handed a, a formal invitation. You are invited to the banquet. It's coming. You know it's coming. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to, all, uh, to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married and she won't let me come. <laughs> I know it doesn't say that, but that's, that's, every time I read this, I'm like, that woman told him no. <laughs> and, he, and he said, yes, dear. You know, I'm like, okay. Can I help you just to give me a thought? I don't know who this is for. Sometimes the reason marriage struggle, marriages struggle, is because that um, we think when we get married, we need our spouse's permission to do something. When I was a kid and I lived at my home, I needed my mom and dad's permission. When I got married, I didn't marry my mama. Thank God. <laughs> that only happens in Arkansas, I don't know. but. <laughs> kidding, just playing, kind of. <laughs> but, but I didn't marry my mom. I don't need permission now. I'm going to be courteous. I'm going to be kind. Hey, honey, I'm going to go do this. You got anything going on? But I don't need her permission. I'm a grown man. Sometimes I tell my wife, I don't want you doing that. She said, listen, you, you don't get to tell me what to do. First of all, I'm older. My wife's a cougar. Some say, does she mind that? No, she actually embraces it. She was in Charleston one day, and her and my daughter and my granddaughter, and she goes, Steve, look, and they took a picture, and behind her was the Cougar Club. She said, they even have a club for me. She said, I didn't go in, but you know. And then one day I came home, and she said, look what I bought. I bought this golf bag. She doesn't play much golf, but every now and then she'd go out with me. And she goes, look, it says Cougar on it. Like, she's owning this. And then she bought a head cover that says Cougar. I said, baby, you're the Cougar of Cougars. But then I found out there's some other people around here that are like cougars. Their wives are the president and vice president. But she, she, I forget what I was going to say now. 
Oh, but she has told me when I said you can't do that, she said, first of all, I'm older than you and you're not my dad. I'll do what I want to do. And you know what? I'm like, I, I agree. I prefer you not to do that though. She goes, I don't care. I'm going to do it. And, and you know what? The problem with some marriages, it's a word of knowledge for somebody, is that you feel like your wife or your husband needs your permission. Now, if you married your mommy and daddy, they need your permission. But I don't need her permission. I need to be kind and courteous, and she is with me. My wife will get in her car and drive across the country by herself. I'm like, at least take my gun. She goes, I don't want your gun. I don't even want this. So I'm like, take someone with you. I don't have to take someone with me. I'm just saying, guys, I think it keeps it healthier. Well, you think, well, I got married, now I own them. You don't own them. They're human beings. We got to be kind and courteous, and I am. Sometimes my wife kicks me out of the house. She says, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, honey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out with you. And she goes, no, you're not. I'm like, what do you mean I'm not? She goes, I'm busy, and you'll bug me. She may be 67, me 62, but I can still bug the woman. Come on. Some of you older guys say amen or oh me. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, men and women are funny, aren't they? That you, you, a man can see a woman. You can be in curlers or whatever, sweats, baggy, whatever, and they're looking at you like, oh, baby. A man can walk to the house naked, and they're like, put on some clothes. What's wrong with you? That's the deal. Let me, let me, let me read back to the word. Here we go. <laughs> I apologize to Pastor Troy and Pastor Penny, um, Pastor Aaron and Stephanie. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly in the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So the master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Every excuse given points to an attachment to worldly things. None of them are negative. None of them are bad. None of them are, I mean, it's good things. You know, you buy a field. And who buys a field without looking at it? I mean, you, it's like buying a house without looking at it. Like, I'll just buy, you're buying land. Maybe you bought swamp land in Florida that does you no good. And then, who buys oxen? Come on, who buys oxen without knowing how, if they could try them out? Like, none of us. Well, you might buy something else. And then, who, I mean, what, what's the excuse? I got married, so now I can't come. Like, but it's heaven. It's the kingdom. And so, what happens is, is we get attached to worldly things that God gave you. God gave you the abilities. God gave you. God wants our full attention, our full commitment, our complete devotion with no excuses. When we read God's word, it is a call to action, and excuses don't work with God. Look at Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it, just tell you about it. It, it. The master went away for a long time, but before he did, he gave one five talents, one two talents, and one one. When he came back, the one with five said, look, master, I, I, you gave me five. I have five more. And what did the master said? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And the one with two did the same thing. He had two talents. He brought back two more. And God gave him the same blessing. And he said, well done. You know, people always tell me, they come up to me and say, I just want God to tell me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm like, not me. I just want him to say, you are welcome. You can come in. Maybe I made it by the hair of my chinny chin chin. I don't care. I'll take a shack in heaven and, and, instead of anything in hell. Come on. 
And so I, I have no thoughts. I, I, I hope he thinks I did a pretty good job, but if he just says, you just made it, I'm pretty happy with that. Like, woohoo! <laughs> and so, but the one with one is so interesting. He said, I had, he said, I knew you are a hard man. See, he saw God or the master different than the other two. He said, I know you're a hard or harsh man. I know you reap where you've not sown anything. And you gather where you've not cultivated. I mean, think about what he's saying. How great is, how do you reap when you've not sown any seed? How do you gather when you've not cultivated things? That's how, so he's, he's telling them, I know you're big. I know you're great. I know you're the God that can do the impossible. And he said, but I was afraid. So I hid your talent. And so now I give it back to you. And, and, and the master looked at him and said, what? He said, listen, if you would have just gave your talent, that one talent to the bankers and brought me back a little bit of interest, I, you'd have been okay. But now Jesus begins to deal with them. And he said he was afraid. Jesus went right past that because it wasn't his fear. He said, you know what your problem is? You're wicked and you're lazy. You're not afraid. You're wicked and you're lazy. And I bet he could say that to a bunch of the body of Christ because we use our gifts and talents to make us alive but we don't use the same gifts and talents that he's given us to build his kingdom. Thank God you have pastors that have incredible vision. Because if you don't, you're stagnant. You're going the wrong way. God is always moving you forward. God is always moving. And don't be a naysayer or a doubt peddler. Come on. I tell our church all the time, I'd rather have a bunch of drug addicts and drunks in our church that will stand up and say, we can do it! Then a bunch of naysayers and doubt people say, why do we need to do that? Why do we need to do that? I don't understand. You know why? Because God always moves you forward, and there's always someone else to reach. And so we have to honor God. But he looked at the one, and he said, you're just wicked. You're lazy. He said, take the useless servant. Because everybody, well, what would Jesus do? I mean, this, take the useless servant and cast him into outer darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He'll have no inheritance in the kingdom. And folks, it's not about having five talents or two or one. It's about whatever God's put in your hand, use it. I get around pastors like your pastors, and, and, and they're gifted. I mean, Pastor Troy's gifted. He can do anything, play anything. I mean, he can sing some. He can play an instrument or he used to. And, and, I, and I get around these pastors that have so many gifts and talents. One pastor that I got around, he's 6'6", can bench over 500. He can, like, jump on, like, stages, like, just jump at 66 year, uh, 62 years old. He owns so much stuff. He's got good hair. <laughs> That's a big deal for some of us because some of us, our hair is wavy, like wavy goodbye. <laughs> and, and I looked at him. I said, do you have all this stuff? This guy even signed a contract with the Dallas Cowboys to play tight end before, the, you know, before they, they had the, the years ago when they had the um, strike. And then they called him back after. He said, no, I'm not going to do it, man. I'm going to go do something else. And I remember I was giving him a hard time just playing. I, I was just goofing off because I, I don't care. I'm glad for him. I'm happy when someone else has something. The Bible says rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. But I'll never forget he looked at me and goes, you know, Steve, you're not responsible for my talents. You're only responsible for what God's given you. And if God's only given you one talent, use it. And you'll get the same blessing as the two and the five. But see, God did something. Jesus did something that's so counterculture to where we live. He said, take from the one who's wicked and lazy and give it to the one with five. That's the antithesis of what happens in America today or what people talk about. I don't want what anybody else has. I don't care how rich they are. And people say, well, they're too rich. Who is that? Who are, who are we to say that? 
Because when you begrudge, I'm giving lots of thought. What you begrudge, you'll never receive. If you begrudge what other people have, you'll never have it. God will say, see, you don't like it, so you'll never get it. And yet inside, you know you want it. So you got to be a blessing. you got to honor. And so here we are. And, and this guy, all he had to do was do something. I, and, and the goodness and grace of God is I didn't even expect a lot. Just a, something. Just put it to use. And how many of us come to church, we don't serve, we don't give, we don't tithe, we don't sow into things, and we, and we all think we're good and going to heaven. I question that. Like, how can you ignore and reject God and think we're going to be okay? I, I don't understand it. You know, I have people in our church sometimes, and, and I fill up my front rows, and, and, and there are people, and people come up to me and say, oh, all those rich people sitting on the front row. And I said, you think they're all rich? Why do you think that? And they said, well, who are they? And I said, I'm going to tell you who they are. There are people, that, most of them are people I invited personally to church that I prayed with to get right with God. And now they're my guests. And so I fill the front row with my guests. Why? If you, where's your row? You know, it's, it's like when you bring friends, don't you get to sit next to them? But when I bring somebody, it's like, oh, and they make all this stuff up. Why do we even care? And so I look at them and I said, how come your row's not full? Because you're not inviting anybody. At least I believe in the kingdom enough to invite them. And so you and I have to honor God. And, and when people do that to me, I'm like, you have no idea who they are. Why talk about Why do you even care? Come on. We should just do what we know to do, serve God and watch God bless us because that's how it works. And, you know, I, and, then I, and then I invite those people to church that come and say, you know, preacher, if I went to church, fire would come from heaven and strike me down. I'm like, and then now this is how I do I used to didn't do it, like, but now I do it like this. I said, really? I'd like to see that. I said, I, I'm gonna, come on, and I'm just not going to sit next to you. I don't want, I don't want you know, getting the overflow of that. And, and wouldn't it be, I mean, think about it, come on. And I tell them, it would be so cool, come, because if, 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 if lightning did come through this thing and whap, zapped you, I'd be like, oh, let's go get another one, come on. I mean, admit it, it would be the coolest thing. You'd be like, God, move, but he zapped that guy. He... I mean, people think that God's going to get you. God is not out to get you, he's out to help you. These guys, they think wrong, so we got to help them. You think, you say, are you kidding? No, I think it would be, it. no, you got to admit, if it happened, we'd all be like, wow. <laughs> and then we'd come to church and want it to happen again, like, oh, please, God, let lightning come. But who, who is it? We don't want to be near them. <laughs> let me give you some um, quotes that I liked. He that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Benjamin Franklin. 99% of the failures come from people who have the habit of making excuses, George Washington Carver. An excuse is a skin of a reason stuffed with a lie, Billy Sunday. One guy said, the only thing standing between you and your goal is the story you keep telling yourself as to why you cannot achieve it. Here's my favorite one. Excuses are the nails used to build a house of failure. Don Wilder. Think about it. There's no excuse that God hadn't thought of or knows. We're not going to surprise him. He's not going to say, boy, that was a good one. I, I, I let you off. No, we're all expected to do his word. You know, a preacher, what if it doesn't work? Why wouldn't it work? I mean, if you're doing it, it'll work. And it may take time. 
You can say, but I was hurt as a child. I, I get it. I was, this happened to me in my life. I get it. We, we understand pain. But man, we in this house, Freedom House, believes in the transformational power of God that can change your life. They don't have a form of godliness and deny the power. They have godliness and accept the power to change your heart and mind. Jesus, didn't he say, I came to heal the brokenhearted? Who was he talking about? Those who are brokenhearted. And can I tell you this? Almost everybody I know has some brokenness in them because we're imperfect people. So I'm always amazed at the ones that are always pointing fingers, thinking they're perfect. I said, you're the most imperfect. Because if you had any grace and mercy about you, you'd be for others instead of being against them. Or pointing the finger like, they messed up, they messed up. We've all messed up. I mean, God could have fired me a thousand times, and for whatever reason, he hasn't. And I'm, I'm shocked. I'm as shocked as, like, God, I know. If I, this happened, I deserve it. Because what happens is, is God, he honors his word. And folks, there's not a reason we can't do it. Just like giving. You're doing a big kingdom thing. You know, kingdom builders. And your pastors, thank God, they have incredible vision. And I can remember my wife coming to me just recently. Her father passed away. He, she got an inheritance, and he was almost 99. Great man. My wife's going to miss him dearly, but he gave her uh, some inheritance. And she came to me, and she said, Steve, look. And she wrote a check out for $30,000. And I'm like, what is that? And she goes, years ago. So it's probably 20, 23, 24, 25 years ago. She said, I, just between her and God, she didn't even tell me about it. She wrote out a check from our checkbook and for $30,000 and said, God, one day... I want to be able to give the kingdom $30,000. And I didn't know it. I'm looking at her like, really? I mean, it touched me. And she goes, look. I mean, it wasn't the best situation, but still, she said, look, I'm able to do it today. She said, I can't wait to come and give it to the kingdom. Folks, that's our attitude. It's kingdom first. Not your kingdom first. It's God's kingdom first. And we participate, and then God blesses us. Years ago, we were at church on the move, and I was a UPS guy. I drove a UPS truck. My wife had quit work. Our kids were in Christian school, two of them. One of them was too little yet to go to school. And my wife, I kept telling her to stay at home. But she didn't trust men, so it took her about two years to finally quit until I proved my... And I get it. I was good with it. I'm like, I get it. You've been let down by men all your life. So I just let God deal with her heart. And finally, one day, she quit. And so I, I officiated. I officiated football, basketball, and fast-pitch softball. And I made almost $300 a week doing that. But we needed it. I mean, you understand, we needed it. So I would go to work, and I'd go officiate almost every night. And I'd go to church Wednesdays, and even Sunday after church, I'd go officiate because we needed the money. Pastor George, the church we went to one day, he comes to me and says, hey, would you coach my son's basketball team? We were terrible last year. I, I wanna, well, I'll get them uniforms if you'll work with them. I said, Pastor George, I'd love to, but I, I need, I officiate, I need that money for my wife and I, my family. He goes, I understand. He goes, how much do you make a game? And I told him, he said, if you'll do the practices and the games, I'll pay you that much so you're not missing anything. So I said, well, that's, so I went and told my wife. She said, I, that great. So I had fun doing it. And I remember they owed me $400, and my wife and I were looking forward to it. Anybody remember? I mean, some of you in that day today, and, and $400 was a ton to us. We needed it. It was like, yes, they finally gave it to me. You know, I didn't have the guts to ask them for it, but they finally come up and said, Steve, here's your money. It was $400. We were sitting in church. They're doing a stewardship campaign. And I remember looking at the check thinking, thank God we need it. And then I remember looking at my wife, and I said, honey, she goes, I know. And so God dealt with us to give it. So we just signed it back over to him and gave it as our portion. Now, we needed it desperately. 
it'd be like today maybe given $10,000 check or maybe even big. It was, it was so big to us. We were looking forward to because it, it was gonna help us do some things. And you know what? We honored God. And today, I can tell you it was worth every penny. We never have missed a payment. We've never been late on our mortgage. We've never been late on our bills. We've always had enough food. Now, I want to say this as I begin to close. We, 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 we weren't able to go do a lot of things. We almost never went out to eat. We think it's a right to go out and eat. It's a luxury. We didn't go to movies. I didn't go to a movie theater for 10 years, and I like the movies. That's where I escape. I want someone to take me on a journey. I don't want to think. It's the only time I stop thinking is when I watch a movie. And so we loved it. We just didn't go to movies for 10 years. We didn't even hardly go to McDonald's. We just, we ate at home. We, we, we managed our money. And most people think they have a, they deserve something. Can I tell you something? We don't deserve anything. God blesses us regardless of what, just because we do his word. And today people think, well, I, I, if I don't go out to eat three times a week, then somehow we're suffering. No, it's wisdom. You do whatever it takes to honor your commitments, but first and foremost, you honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I can tell you this, I can testify this. When the Bible says that I'll do abundantly above all, I could, you could ask or think in this lifetime in your life, I used to tell the Lord that could never happen in my life. You can never do bigger than my thoughts and my imagination. Anybody ever felt that way? Like, I don't understand that scripture. Today, I can testify. God has done abundantly above all I could ever ask or think. I couldn't even think about what he's using me to do today. I didn't have the ability to imagine it, but God knew it. And he said, if you'll just honor me, I'll lead and direct your steps and your path. And then you'll be blessed. You'll have peace. You'll have joy. See, the Bible talks about in James 2, 14 through 26. You can go there later and read it. The Bible talks about faith without works is dead. We're not saved by faith. We're saved by grace, lest any of us should boast. But it says faith without works is dead. Now listen, we're not saved by faith. I mean, by, by works, we're saved by God's mercy and grace. We're saved by grace. But here's what it is. Once you're saved, you're saved to do works. You're not saved... By works, but you're saved to do works. Well, what are the works? The works got to start here. Every Christian should be spiritually employed. There's no excuse. Well, I'm busy. We're all busy. I mean, it isn't, it, it, and God gave you the ability to be busy. And then it sums it up here in John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commands. See, this leaves no room for excuses. Do you know in the Bible, God never tells us to tell him we love him. You can't find one script. That's human. We try to make God human. So now when you're married, you're like, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Do you love me? Yeah. You tell your kids, you love me? I love you. And, and that's a human thing. But you notice God has never said one time, you can't find the scripture where God said, tell me you love me. Tell me you love me. Tell me you love me. Can't find it. But he does say, if you love me, you'll just do what I ask. You'll keep my commands. How do we love God? By doing not by saying. And so many of us have gifts and talents. Whatever it is, maybe you have one, maybe you have two, maybe you have five, I don't know. But whatever it is, you're only responsible for what you have. And folks, I, I'm not the most gifted guy, I'm not the smartest guy, I'm just not. I, I'm always like, God, why did you put all this in my hand? And the only thing I can think of is because I've been faithful with whatever he's put in my hand. You hear people all the time in New Mexico, they say, Pastor, if we win the lottery, we're gonna give the church millions of dollars. And I look at them and say, you're lying. And they're like, what? 
they get all, you know, hurt. I'm like, it's not true. They said, well, yes, it is. I said, no, it's not. I said, I, I can look at your, let me look at your giving. You can't give a dollar off 10. How are you going to give millions? See, we don't understand. We think, and there's an excuse. If I had more, I would do something. If God, you put more in my hand, do something. God's like, no, that's not how it works. You do with what I put in your hand now, and then I'll put more in your hand. That's what limits us from getting the promotions and raises and all that. It's just we're not honoring God with what he put in our hand. What does he put in your hand? Maybe you're not the smartest, the tallest, whatever. But you can do something for the kingdom. God will bless you. And folks, I was the last one picked to do what I'm doing. I went to Bible school terrified of talking in front of people. I took F's in school because I refused. I refused to get up in front of people. And yet when I get saved, I said, man, I think God's called me to be a preacher. Then I died a thousand deaths like, I can't do that. Don't preachers have to get up in front of people? My dad was so encouraging one day. He said, Steve, it's a good thing I was preaching in prisons back then. He said, it's a good thing you're preaching in prisons. And I'm like, yeah, why is that, Dad? He said, because they can't leave. <laughs> I mean, he was trying to be nice, but I'm like, well. And, and folks, I was so intimidated that I didn't know how to preach. I didn't know who I was. I was terrified. I remember going into prisons, and whoever I was listening to, that's how I would preach. And I, who I listened to back then, Fred Price, and I'd hold my Bible just like him and talk about faith, because that's what he did. And then I would, anybody ever heard of R.W. Shambach? Anybody remember him? And he would be, shout amen, somebody. And so when I'd go to prisons, because I didn't know how to preach, I would be him sometimes. They didn't know. They're in jail. They didn't know who he was. And I said, you can be a dry boat sitter or a wet water walker. Shout amen, somebody. <laughs> and I would preach like that. I'd preach like other people I'd watch because I, I was so terrified. And I, I had no clue I was. But I believe because I just used what I had, that God's allowed me now to be comfortable in my own skin. I'm not going to wow you with anything, but the word of God is true. No excuses. Well, I, I served God for 40 years. Now I'm retired. There's no retirement in the kingdom. You can retire from your secular stuff, but in the kingdom, you can. We have 85 and 90-year-olds serving in our church today. And I look at the ones that are young like, you're more able-bodied and you're too busy for God. Well, I hope God's not too busy for us. Think about it. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for being here. I thank you for teaching us. And Father, that all of us will take excuses out of our mouths out of our thinking and we'll say God okay forgive me I'm not going to make any more excuses I'm just going to do what you've put in my hand I'm going to do with what you put in my hand I'm going to give my time my money I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor you God with everything because the excuse would be well I, I don't have enough yes you do you have enough to honor God with, with whatever he's put in your hand and if you honor him he'll bless it multiply it back to you so that you can give and serve again you help someone else and God helps you. It's just principles of his word. And so God help us not to make any more excuses, just be doers of the word in Jesus' name. Listen, if you're here and you're not right with God and you need to get right with God, this is your moment. Or you're here and you say, Pastor, I prayed a prayer a bunch of times but never with the intention to follow Jesus. I think in America we, we've said it wrong. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess through the mouth the lordship of Jesus, then you'll be saved. People tell me all the time, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. Don't tell me I'm not saved. Don't tell me I don't love God. I said, but you're not doing anything he asks. Well, I love him. I said, your words mean nothing. It's your actions that count. What does the Bible say? If you don't bear fruit, he'll 
break you off and put you in a, a pile to burn. You got to do something. And what happens today in America, we, we want salvation. We don't want to go to hell, but we don't want a Lord. And either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And he wants, he, wants to, he wants us to willingly surrender our lives to him and say, we'll follow you wherever you lead. That's why when you get born again, you must be baptized. Why? Because he said to be baptized. People argue with me, I don't have to be saved to be baptized. I said, maybe not, but you have to be baptized to follow him. And he made it easy. Salvation is a byproduct of lordship. So if you want a Lord, this is your moment. Maybe you've walked with God and walked away. This is your moment. Maybe you have never prayed the prayer with the thought, okay, I'm going to give him, I'm going to submit my will to his, whatever that means. I'm going to just, and I'm, gonna, I'm willing to learn what he wants me to do. That's all. He's such a good God. And you can't earn what I'm offering. You don't deserve it. We can't earn it. It's a gift that you must receive. So with every head bowed, and if you're online also, if you say, preacher, would you pray with me right where you're seated, right at your home, wherever you're at, I want you to do the same thing. Are you ready? In Jesus' name, would you do this quickly? No hesitation. Just if you want to get right with God, you want to make him Lord of your life, in Jesus' name, would you please just lift your hand wherever you're seated. Thank you. God bless 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 you, man. God bless you. God bless you. No more playtime. God bless you. God loves people. Let them love on you. Anybody else as I look around the church? Say, preacher, thank you. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else before we close? This is between, thank you. God bless you. God loves you, and he's going to accept you. You say, but I don't have much to offer, but whatever you have, you give it to him, and he'll multiply it back to you, and he'll bless you for it. Father, in Jesus' name, bless all those who raise their hand. May you show yourself strong in their behalf, and may they come to know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. If you lifted your hand, I want to lead you in this prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer. I want you to pray it loud enough for your ears to hear your own voice. I want everybody that's right with God to pray with us in support of those who lift their hand and let them know you're not alone. We're with you. We're for you. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you know you should have. This is your moment to say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray this prayer with me aloud, church? Would you pray, God, I choose to believe in Jesus. And I believe... He's your son, your only son. And I believe you raised him from the dead to give me a new life. So I believe that with my heart. And now I willingly confess with my mouth, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Now I thank you for saving me and for forgiving me because today, you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Freedom House. God bless you guys. Thank amen. you. Amen.